back to another edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. I am Dan Rhino. And I'm Jessica Rhino. And we are finishing up the last several chapters of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Last time we did chapter 16, Professor Trelawney's prediction. Was all rainbows and sunshine. It was a very Trelawney heavy chapter, which is what we love. We love the chapters that are focused on Trelawney. Really? No. I oh, love when okay. McGonagall gives uh, Trelawney the old uh, the what have you and the what for and the who's the what's. <laughs> Makes fun of her. Passive aggressively making fun of her at Christmas. Nobody does passive aggressive better than Professor McGonagall. I love Professor McGonagall. Like, honestly, nobody does passive aggressive better. Maybe, no, because Hermione's just sarcastic a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's not passive aggressive. McGonagall just always comes off kind of strict mm. and aggressive. Like, even when she was happy about Harry catching the Remember All, and she was like, you're coming with me, and stomped across the the school, weaving through corridors, and it's like, I need to speak to Wood. And she's like, this is your new seeker. I mean, it was all very dramatic. I said good day, sir. Yes. I said good so day. So even her happy moments are a little... Severe. That's just who she is, mm -hmm. apparently. I love her. Mm -hmm. So chapter 16, we're going to do a quick recap of that. Uh, it's finals time at school, including divination, which is a one-on-one -on -one final with Professor Trelawney. Harry and Ron both just make up things that they don't see in the crystal ball. Seems like a good idea. I mean, I mean what's she going to do? Call you a liar? I mean, if you don't see anything, you're going to fail, right? Yeah. So if you make stuff up, at least you got a chance. I guess. Right? I mean, I mean, she's, I still don't understand. She states in the beginning that some people have this gift ability and some people just don't. It's something you either have or you don't. It's not something so, you can learn. So it's not like math. Like you go to math and you can learn math. Yes. It's not like, can't do it. I just can't do math. I guess I fail. Yeah, I fail. I don't like math. But you could do it. If we forced you and sat you down and forced eventually, you to do it. Eventually, I would figure it out. Eventually, you would figure it out. You have the, the capacity to learn it. This However, is not that. Divination is not that. No. It's something that you either inherently have or you don't. Yes. Yet, you still have to go through the process of seeing if you have it, and then we fail you. The biggest news of the chapter, even though the chapter is named after Professor Trelawney... The biggest news of the chapter is that Buckbeak has lost his appeal that was the odds were stacked against him from the get-go. And it seemed like the decision has already been made leading up to this. However, Buckbeak has lost his appeal and is set to be executed later that night on the Hogwarts grounds. Which seems a little strange to me that they would do it there. Like, why wouldn't they take Buckbeak away and do it somewhere else. I don't know, because he's dangerous and transporting him would just expose more people to his dangerousness. Can't give him like a magical tranquilizer or something like that? Uh, no, that, that'd be dangerous. Might kill him. <laughs> but, okay, I just, I just guess I'll just move on. 
Uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione take the invisibility cloak to visit Hagrid. They don't want Hagrid to be alone in this troubling time. But they come across Scabbers, who was long thought dead. Just on vacation. Hanging and out in a teapot in Hagrid's hut. And he, do he doesn't look good either. Scabbers looks bad, and he's acting even worse than he looks. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, at the end of the chapter, Buckbeak... Uh, is executed and the trio is trying to get back into the castle so that they don't have to experience this horrific incident however they don't make it and they hear no. the they we get vivid descriptions of the sound of the swooping of the axe and then the lopping and then the it, it was all very morbid yes and, and the way it was described was was made it uh, very easy to visualize, which I guess is good writing. Yes. But it was another one of those 95% of the chapters that ends on a sad note. I think this one was even worse than that. This was like a dun-dun. Yeah. Well, if you heard the last dun, episode, dun, I put dun. some really sad music underneath the, <laughs> underneath the second half of our show. While we were discussing, it was just like sad piano. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, like no. I'm I'm the jerk here. <laughs> J.K. Rowling, blame her. No, I'm the jerk here. I just tried to add to the ambiance of it. Just trying to do a little podcast here with my wife. I'm the jerk here. Let's go into chapter 17, Jessica. This one's a happy chapter, right? No. Oh. No. No. This is these are not happy books, Jess. Everybody's like, oh, I love those books so There's much. It's so much fun and I magical. I love seeing children get treated like garbage by adults. And I love seeing death and destruction. And... <laughs> you know, it reminds me, you know, how everybody was anti-Hunger Games because they were too violent and with the children. Mm -hmm. It was just not fair. Like, have just you read Harry Potter? These, just as violent <laughs> as these books. Just... About the same. Just about the same. Uh, chapter 17 called Cat, Rat, and Dog. Not even the cat, the rat, and the dog. No. Just Cat, Rat, and Dog. Cat, Rat, and Dog. So, I know the cat. Crookshanks. I know the rat. Scabbers. Here comes the dog. Grim. The Grim! There you go. Yes, it's the Grim! <laughs> oh! Just... You have a, t a soda there from Taco Bell. Let me see the cup. No. Let me see. No. Oh, I swirl yeah. the cup around and I see the grill. No. Jessica. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Jessica, take this pen and draw. Uh -huh. close your eyes and draw the first thing that comes into your head. Now look at what it is. It's the grill. No. It's a senji. Yes, it's it's not a basenji. It's the grim. Trelawney. <sighs> Sometimes it's just a dog. Yeah. Like, you would always see the groom because you would always just see a dog <laughs> no matter what. It yeah. would either be a dog or a book or a dog reading a book. <laughs> like, why is the groom reading that book? Daniel, dogs can't read books. I'm just saying. That's they what, can look at the pictures, That's though. what you would always see in, like, your little coffee swirls. <laughs> I don't like coffee. And it's tea. Tea, leaves. tea leaves. Tea leaves, yeah. I'm thinking of like Starbucks where they draw like the little... <laughs> <laughs> That's totally different. 
You go to go to Starbucks. Not so if I work if I worked at Starbucks, I would draw dogs in everybody's cups. Well, and then they'd see the grim. The grim. <laughs> exactly. Oh. <laughs> so tired of the grim. So tired of it. So tired of Trelawney, and so tired of the grim. But your mother is Trelawney. I stand by my statement. <laughs> <laughs> but she just wants. She sees babies, grandkids. Oh, you're having babies. Oh, I see. You're. You want a new job. Everybody wants a new job. <laughs> and then uh, what's the other one? Um, it's your gallbladder. Yeah. Every illness. I see. It's your gallbladder. Uh, you struggle. You're struggling right now. Everybody's struggling with something right now. <laughs> Me, I just feel like garbage all the time. But I trudge on because there's like four people that listen to this podcast. Jennifer? Mm-hmm. Kelly? Yep. And two people in Nova Scotia listen to Oh, me. that's good. Nova no. Scotia Duck Tilling Retrievers. You know, as we were recording this, we got about yeah, average about a thousand people. That's not bad. Yeah, I don't think I could name all of those. Not bad for a little I can't name like just a thousand people in general, like through history. Oh. <laughs> People that I've ever heard about or read about. Could they be fictional characters? Yep, still couldn't do I it. I could do it. Still couldn't do it. I could do it if they can be f- fictional characters. We'll put that to the test one episode. You're just going to name as many <laughs> fictional characters as <laughs> you can. And we'll set an over-under and people could place bets on it. I. So, in Chapter 17, the trio is still under the cloak with Scabbers trying to get back into the castle. They are all shaken from Buckbeak's execution and just the, the whales... Of Hagrid, the I can't. I wrote down screams, but I can't even call them screams. They were like, it, like my book said howls. Yeah, howling. Mm-hmm. Which then I thought, oh, it's the Grim. The Grim. Like, no, it's Hagrid. Oh no, it's Jessica. Hagrid. I was like, oh, okay, it's Hagrid. You think that a big man like that is probably, I mean, bellows maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't know. You're the writer here. You got some. Some synonyms you could probably yeah. come up with that are a little bit better than what I can do, but yeah, it's just the you just imagine just this this enormous man who has this enormous heart, literally and figuratively. <laughs> but he's just he wears his heart on his sleeve and just is very open with his emotions, not afraid to cry mm-hmm. in front of people, you know. Um, not afraid to show his softer side. Not afraid to show that he cares. And this is just a horrible thing. Yeah, and he cares deeply for all of his animals. But this was also just the injustice of it. This mm-hmm. was just wrong. Like, you know, he had to give up his dragon. He understood this was a bad idea. This wasn't going to work out. Granted, the dragon wasn't being executed. But, you know, he... he it was logical. She came to terms with that. Mm-hmm. If Buckbeak was truly a danger to everybody, that would be one thing. But he's not. No, just because some jerky kid didn't want to listen. I was trying to show off. Which we will reference in a little email that Kelly sent to yeah, us. Because he was being uh, mean for uh, no reason. A strongly worded email that our friend Kelly up in New Ooh, York. We got in trouble. Yeah, we did get in trouble. Got taken to the principal's office. Uh-oh. The Kelly Prince, Kelly office. I think I've only ever gone to the principal's office once. What'd you do to get sent to the principal's office? Uh, I got in a fight. Oh my goodness. At a basketball game. 
Oh wow, what what grade was this? Um seventh or eighth, I think. Is that the one where the girl yeah. like, bit you or something? No, no, no. No, that wasn't when she bit me. It was a different girl. Um no that was the you know at the end you line up and you clap hands and you say good game. Mm-hmm. Well the girl grabbed my wrist and twisted it and like dislocated my pinky, it swelled all up, and she just had like my hand like twisted backwards. So I spun around and I punched her to get her to let go. So it wasn't really a fight. But apparently she stumbled forward and hit her head on the girl in front of her and like split her eyebrow open and had to go get stitches. Ah, got him. And I'm just like, and my principal's like, you made a girl go get stitches? And I'm like, first of all, <laughs> come on, I'm 5'2 and like 88 pounds. Okay, brag alert. This girl <laughs> was like a foot and a half taller than me. She probably didn't weigh much more. Because we were just little skinny eighth graders, some eighth graders, but still. That sounds like all uh, I did was try and get her to let go. That sounds very Hermione-ish. <laughs> <laughs> like Hermione would have done that. That sounds like it's almost like exactly what happened to Malfoy a couple chapters ago. It like got all twisted around, you know. It's like, oh, just punch somebody, and she had to get stitches in her face, the and it's like, grew. no, actually, I punched her in the back which sounds really horrible but we were in line facing you know opposite each other i do my best attacking so when i spun around all i could do was punch her in the back (laughs) that's the only chance i have of winning a fight is if i punch from behind uh but before we can get inside scabbers runs off scabbers not acting right not that scabbers ever was truly right there's always something off about scabbers yeah but Scabbers runs off. Scabbers get chased, gets chased by Crookshanks, who gets chased by Ron, who gets chased by Harry and Hermione. Yes. And Ron is trying to get Scabbers back. Thought Scabbers was dead. Now that he's got Scabbers back, he doesn't want to lose him again. Definitely wants to keep Crookshanks away from Scabbers. But then we get the reappearance of that jet black dog. The Grim! Jess, it's the Grim! Oh no! It's waiting for it. Oh no! And we know it's the Grim because it attacks Harry. Jumps on Harry. Knocks him down. Knocks him down. Looks like it's rolling around, like coming around for another attack, but then kind of pushes Harry out of the way and chomps down on Ron's arm. Yes. And this is the beginning of a series of Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Really getting the, the snot beat out of them by various circumstances. Yeah, you, you, you're you very disturbed by all this. I was not happy reading this chapter. This is way worse than the Hunger Games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was... So, I kind of got lost for a second. The Grim pounces on Harry, like, lands on his chest, knocks him down, and but then, like, has so much momentum, it, he, like, rolls away. Mm-hmm. And then Harry said he felt like his ribs were broken. Then when he got up, it said something about he had to wipe the blood out of his face so he could see. I don't even know when he got blood in his face. See, I thought that was from the next part, which was when, to make things worse, they got too close to the Whomping Willow. And that's what I figured. I was like, well, maybe the Willow got him, but he didn't even notice mm-hmm. because because he said he, he's like he said he pushed the blood out of his face, and then he realized that they were too close to the Willow, and that yeah, Hermione so was bleeding too. It says something like knocked him on the back of his head right after the dog attack. He got 
put the dog kind of pushed him out of the way and then he something knocked him on the back of the head and he's thinking what, what's what's coming after me now what could possibly become maybe it's don't grim. don't ask that question Harry. never ask that question at hogwarts what is coming after me now or just say like Things can't get worse than this. No, no, don't you say don't that. say that at Hogwarts either. So they're too close to the Whomping Willow. The Whomping Willow, we have some experience with. Mm-hmm. Loves to... Apparently we're not the only ones. Loves to beat up these kids, and especially since they crashed a flying car into it. Yeah. Uh, Tree holds a grudge. Whomping Willow, apparently. Not a, not a fan of these children. And in this process, Harry and Hermione get pretty badly beaten up by by the tree i mean they're both bleeding they're both bruised they're both battered they're in this whole process while ron's getting drug away by this dog they're getting beaten up really really bad so the dog drags ron to the base of the tree and they said that he's dragging him underground yeah there's a tunnel it's like an underground passage jessica mm-hmm under the tree we knew this though harry saw this on the map right and they ref- they reference that a little later is that the fred and george had said that they knew that there was a, a passageway over there but it kind of led off the map because mm-hmm. nobody had ever been had ever been down there or used it they knew it existed but but nobody- they couldn't get to it right so the dog drags ron into the underground passage and Probably the most gruesome part of the chapter. Yeah, I didn't remember that. There, so he's I, trying to not get pulled in, and right. so he hooks his leg around a root. Right. And trying to hold himself, and he hooks his leg around a root, trying to keep himself from getting pulled in, and it kind of ends up being like a tug of war between the dog pulling on his arm and him holding onto the branch with his leg. Then we hear, I don't, I don't remember how it was described, but it was a crack, a crack, and that was Ron's leg losing the tug of war and getting broken like a like a turkey wishbone and drug underneath into this tunnel to this passage. But that that snap sound, that crack sound, and I'm, you're thinking it's like maybe a tree branch or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like the. Like the root that he had hooked on mm-hmm. broke or gave way. Uh, nope. Nope. Apparently not. Apparently it's his leg. His bone. The bone. So Harry and Ron are trying to follow but they can't get past the Whomping Willow <coughs> and they're not even quite sure like where the, the passage is. It's kind of hard to see especially with the a big boxing tr- championship boxing tree swinging, swinging, at you. and yeah. But they get a little help from Crookshanks, don't they? Yeah, Crookshanks does some amazing stuff in this chapter, and I know he's always been an exceptional cat. But some of the stuff in this chapter, I was like, we never really get an explanation for this. Why he's so much more intelligent than normal cats. Um, we learn things about the other animals in this chapter, but not him. We never get really get that explanation. But yeah, he goes over to the to the tree, to the base of the tree, and pushes down on a knot, which is kind of like pause button. Yeah, the power button. Power button. <laughs> <laughs> so he like unplugs the tree <laughs> just for a second, mm-hmm. and 
and then he disappears down the hole, but it gives the kids enough time, Ron, or not Ron, Harry and Hermione enough time to get through to the base of the tree. So when he presses that, the, the tree stops swinging. Yeah, everything just freezes. And they can, they can get in. And so this underground tunnel, which like you said, it was on the Marauders map, but nobody's ever gotten to it. Assuming all these tunnels lead to Hogsmeade, yeah. That's that's what kind of Harry's assumption Yeah, he mentions is, right? the the map and that the tunnel on the map it like the, it goes off of the map cuz the map is just Hogwarts, but it goes off, but it goes off in the direction of Hogsmeade. Mm -hmm. So they always assumed plus the other ones all kind of go to Hogsmeade. So it does lead them <clears throat> to Hogsmeade. It does lead them to a place that we have been near before. Mm -hmm. But some place that we have not been inside before, that being the shrieking Shack? Yes. Can you describe the inside of the Shrieking Shack for us? Ew. Well, it's dirty, dusty. All the windows are all boarded up, but we knew that from the outside too. But the inside just looks destroyed. Like, I was waiting to get to more of a point of that. Like, were there claw marks on things? Or, But it was, they didn't say that. It's just broken. Everything's mm -hmm. broken. Right. I thought there was something that they kind of alluded to where it like looked like it had been like some some chair of some legs had been chewed up or something like that because they said something to the to the effect of well ghosts this place is supposed to be haunted ghosts couldn't do that yeah or something yeah I think yeah the the legend the story is that the house is really haunted mm -hmm. that's why they call it the shrieking shack but yeah that they just like no ghosts wouldn't just smash everything yeah that's what it looks like it looks like you know like a bull in a china shop kind of scenario where mm -hmm. everything's just like somebody ransacked the place and that's not like what ghosts could do or would do yeah which so it's you could see if it looked like a haunted house like a dilapidated house but it wouldn't look like a place had been like destroyed ransacked. yeah exactly so they enter a room, which I believe is upstairs. I think they said they heard. Yeah, they heard. They're upstairs. in there, and then they hear noises upstairs. So they go upstairs. So they enter the room, and Crookshanks is on the bed. There was a lot of nodding going on, mm -hmm. and I guess they're trying to be quiet. So I get it, but it was just like, with they heard a noise. So Ron looked at Hermione. Hermione nodded. Then they go down the hall, and they look at him. Hermione. Hermione nodded. Very not heavy. <laughs> yes. It's a not heavy. There was several, several nods. There was knots in the tree, and there were nods. On Hermione. Uh, on, on the, in the uh, actions of the children. So they enter a room. Crookshanks is just chilling on the bed. Mm-hmm. Just, just chilling. Like a cat would probably do. Mm-hmm. Uh, purring. Is, they heard the purring. Ron is laying on the floor with with a broken leg next to the bed. <sighs> Didn't even make it to... Doesn't even get a bed, this poor guy. No. So I've never broken my leg. Yeah. I've broken... My wrists, I've broken thumbs, I've broken my nose, um, you know, I've torn ligaments, but it would seem that like a broken leg would be an excruciating thing, you know, based on like what I've seen in sports and things like that when somebody breaks a leg. Yeah, I was a little... Like, I was watching the details that were going around Ron. I'm like, this doesn't, like, well, maybe it's not really broken. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just he fractured it. It cracked. It's fractured. And the pain just made him let go. He quit holding on, and that's how he got pulled in. Not 
but it said it's sitting at a raw at the wrong right, angle. So right. that would mean both bones in his lower leg are broken, like completely broken through and through. And if that's the case, I'm like, he wasn't standing. He wasn't doing this. He wasn't doing that. So I was a little kind of hmm, about the details there. Now you mentioned before that wizards and witches are a little hardier stock yeah. than you and I. So maybe they have like a higher tolerance for for things like that. But it just seems to me like he'd be screaming his head off if it was as bad broken, as, broken. I, as I envisioned it. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't guess I've never seen anybody with like a full, fully broken bone. But I kind of also feel like when people do have severe injuries like that, they scream when it first happens, but then like the pain kind of levels off, and they they're more of a functioning. Plus, you've got his adrenaline going. You've so. seen me in like lots of pain before. I've never really seen you in like th- that much pain. Trying to think of like a time I'm like I can count like take me two hands <laughs> the amount of times that you've seen me with like my my foot split open or a stingray got me or <laughs> yeah no I don't for some I get hurt a lot but never seriously hurt I always is that a pun you're doing a pun there no. seriously or... oh <laughs> I was would like, you what? say Ron was seriously hurt yes Ron chapter? was seriously hurt. That's it for this episode, ladies and gentlemen. We're not going to get any better than that. Oh, there was that time, do you remember, when I was living at my uncle's and I slid across his kitchen in my socks and I ended up... trying to do like a Tom Cruise thing? I think I was was just having fun. Um, And I jammed my toes around the bar stool Mm. thing and like... But again, I didn't cry, but like I couldn't even sleep because anything, the sheet couldn't touch my foot. Nothing could touch my foot. It hurt so bad. And then I didn't go get x-rays till the next day and all that. But it wasn't broken. They were just jammed. But kind I think that was like probably. Kind of bragging about pain there a little bit, aren't you? Are <laughs> you trying to tell me something? probably the worst pain. You trying to tell I me had. something that I'm not as tough as you are? No. And then when I had the, they thought it was my, that was the time they, they really did think it was my gallbladder, mm-hmm. but it was really just like this really nasty stomach flu, and I had those, cra- like, the stomach pains, mm-hmm. and I was just curled up in a ball on the couch, moaning. Yeah. And you're like, can we go to the hospital now? I'm like, no, I'm fine, I don't want to just leave me alone. I'm like, yes, let's, let's, go, let's go to the hospital, and then you take me to the hospital, and I see I have a $200 copay. <laughs> I'm like, that's okay, I think I... <laughs> I think we could bandage it up. <laughs> <laughs> you tap me in. Like, all right, it's well, your turn. That's when I sliced my foot open and we made it all the way to the hospital, got my insurance card out, said, oh, $200 copay? Nope. nope. Let's go to Walgreens. <laughs> I'll go to Urgent Care tomorrow for the, where they have the $25 copay. Uh, but I digress. Uh, we are in the room and Ron tells Harry and Hermione that it is a trap. It's a trap! It's a trap! Admiral Ackbar. What are you doing? The dog was really the animagus form. Is that how you say it? Animagus? I've never really been sure on that one, but that sounds good enough to me. The dog was really the animagus form of Sirius Black. Yes. And Sirius is in the room. Dun, dun, dun! Now, when they were describing... when when the book was describing Sirius, 
Were they describing like what he always looks like, or does he look a little bit m more run down than normal because he's like been in Azkaban and he's been like on the run from Azkaban? They were saying that he was like really sunken in and like his uh, his hands were even like uh, I think when Harry like tried to grab one of them or something like that, they said it was withered. Yeah. Yeah, his, he his doesn't. Yellow eyes or something. Yellow like teeth. That. Yellow, yeah. His eyes, his face was all like pasty and sunken in and stretched across his facial bones so much that he looked like a skeleton. They said he could have been a corpse if it weren't for the eyes staring out. Well, you gotta imagine, like, if he's been in wizarding prison mm -hmm. all this time. Which is, like, beyond horrible. Like, people, they mm -hmm. say they lose their minds within a couple of months. He's been there for 12 years. Probably not eating great nope. either. Probably not, a little not bit the, of slop. <laughs> probably not the best of nutrition in in there. And then if he's been on the run, you got to imagine he's been, like, scavenging and stuff. You mm -hmm. know, food to, to stay alive. And... Maybe he's just hunting with his dog form. So, I, that's why I was just kind of wondering if that is, like, the description we get. Is that just kind of how he looks? I don't want to hate on him if that's just <laughs> the way he looks, or if he looks a little rundown because of what he's been through this what last he's been through, decade definitely. plus. Okay, definitely what he's been through. So Sirius dis quickly disarms Ron and Hermione. Had already taken Ron's wand. Harry and Hermione. Uh, Harry and Hermione. Sorry, right. had already taken Ron's wand, and uses seems to be able to, and he did it using. Ron's wand that he had yes. already taken from Ron. He disarms Harry and Hermione using Ron's wand. And then I kind of asked you before we started recording, I didn't think that this was supposed to be this easy for a wizard to use another wizard's wand. Can you kind of explain that a little bit? Well, I thought there's a couple of parts to it. So for the kids who are learning magic and learning to control it, they need their wand. They need the wand that's chosen to them, that has is loyal to them. Kind of like the wand's going to help them out and guide them through it. But um, I feel like for an adult who is accomplished at magic, they could kind of use any wand and make it work for them. This wasn't a big spell. It was a basic spell. Um, but then there's also, we find out later in the, in the books... There's this rule that if you take somebody's wand, physically take it from them, or win it like in a duel, the wand will change allegiances mm -hmm. and answer to that person. Um, and Ron's like, oh man! Oh man! I just got this wand! It was broken has, and now it's. He has bad luck with wands, man. <laughs> so, yeah. I. There's, yeah, a couple of things here at play. Okay. Well, Sirius <clears throat> states that he's grateful that Harry followed and didn't run for the teacher and said that this was going to make everything so much easier. Yes. And during... There's a lot of things in this chapter that oh could have goodness. double meanings. Oh, my goodness. It's... And you're really kind of getting pushed one way, but you have to kind of keep your mind open because you have double meanings. And I told you that it was going to be hard for me to do notes. It was going to be hard for us to discuss this because there's so many things that are kind of teased in this chapter and then mm -hmm. kind of the, thread, the threads are left hanging. Yeah. And you even suggested doing this chapter and the next chapter together as one episode. But I kind of just wanted to keep the format 
I mean, if, if that's mm-hmm. cool with you, I just kind of just wanted to keep the same format that we got, that one episode is one chapter. But I, I see what you're going with there, because the next chapter is really going to... And it's really short, too. That's why. That was the other reason, because the next ep- episode we do, we're only going to have, like, I think it's like seven pages. The thing that uh, I kind of noticed about the last few chapters, too, is that that doesn't happen a lot in these books, is that they pick up right at the exact second where the last one left off. Yeah, there's no, like, time. Right. Or you sometimes there's, like, a little, like, paragraph of, and then they went through this, and Christmas happened, this happened, right. this happened, this happened, and now, blah. Mm-hmm. Or after the, after the game, the next couple of days at school where everybody was on cloud nine. Yeah. <laughs> And but two this weeks one, later. I mean, this one is like, it's kind of like the, the Force Awakens. That's that was the the, the one that came after that was the Last Jedi. Uh huh. That I think that was the first Star Wars movie that ever picked up right where that last one left off, like at the exact scene at the exact moment. I think that was the first. I think I read that somewhere. I'm not doing that off the top of my head. I think I read yeah, that no, somewhere. I read that too. But then that just made me think. Well, but. And that's with, I guess, the actual trilogies that stream. But then you've got, like, um, the Rogue One takes on, right, you know, mm-hmm. those butt up to each other. Right. Rogue One and New Hope? Yep. Yeah. Okay. They, like, butt up to mm-hmm. each other, too, so. Right. So, but that doesn't happen a lot in these chapters. And we've had, seemingly, the next chapter is going to... Do the same thing. Do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it has we, to. You really could do like the last three chapters together as like one big, you know, continuing scene because it just that you follow these characters around with no time differential in there, with no no time jumps or anything like that. Yeah, but the last one still kind of was about this, and we change locations so. Yes, they flow without a time gap, but we are in a different spot. This chapter and the next one, though, we're still same room, same people. We're just continuing the conversation. Sirius Black references, in his diatribe, he references Harry's dad and their relationship. And we know at this point, Harry is convinced that Sirius's betrayal was actually what led to his parents' death. So Sirius talking about his dad... With Harry knowing or assuming that Sirius was one of the main reasons of, of his parents' death, to Harry, that's just like the villain rubbing salt in the wound at this point and just getting Harry uh, wound up. So, wander not, Harry is out for Sirius's blood, and I don't got a wand, but I got thunder and lightning, these fists right here. <laughs> and, I, and I'm going to go I'm after I'm coming you. for you. Well, and Harry grew up as a muggle, too. This isn't the first time that he is... His first reaction is not to use magic. Mm-hmm. It's really not his, ever his first reaction. Because he's not used to using magic. And he's probably had to... You, you would think that he probably got picked on a bunch. You know, they always talk about how small he was. And mm-hmm. We and know he got picked on at home. Yeah, you know, they I'm sure he's, bullied him quite a bit. Yeah, I'm sure he's had some times where he's just been fed up and needed to swing back for, yeah. all, for all the good it did. So we get a little bit of a throwdown with Harry and, and Sirius. And Sirius Black is fighting him off 
and to the point where he actually can't use the wands. I think the wands are, like they said, sparks like flew by Harry's face at one point. Yeah, it caught him so off guard that he didn't. He didn't use magic, but he, also he's twelve years out of practice too. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and, prob- and probably a little. His, he's probably not at his strongest. Mm-hmm. I doubt that they like give the prisoners at Azkaban like outdoor activity time to go out and like lift weights and stuff. And, no, no, and, nothing you know, like that. Stay strong or run. Just the, track. the gruel. That's <laughs> Just, all you get. Some slop. That's it. So Harry's punching. Sirius, like, upside the, si- the side of the head. Mm-hmm. And Sirius... Ron and Hermione jump in, too. Well, Ron? Uh, Hermione jumps in when Sirius grabs Harry by the throat and says something like, you know, I've waited too long for this or something like that. You know, I can't... You, you can't stop me now. You, I've, I've been waiting too many years for this moment. And he's, and he's just choking. He's choking Harry. Which, you know, you and I talk because we're, we're, the goal here is to experience this as the chapters go along. And we know a little bit about, you know a lot about what happens in future books. I know a little bit about what happens in future books. The fact that, I mean, choking to me is with the intent of stopping breathing. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't choke just to, you know, because you're mad at somebody. You don't choke somebody just because you are, uh, somebody said something mean to you. You choke with the intention of, of stopping somebody's breath and, and ending their life. And the fact that, that Sirius is, is choking Harry gives, gives me the, the thought that he wants Harry dead. And that's where Hermione comes in and kicks Sirius, I believe. And stops the the choking, but it seems like Sirius was like in a zone there that he really wanted, needed something to happen, and that he wasn't going to let Harry get in, get the in way. his way no matter what. Uh, Crookshanks joins in. You would think to help Hermione. You think, but not the case. Crookshanks digs uh, his claws into Harry uh, to get Harry off of. Sirius. So, Crookshanks is defending Sirius and seems to be in league with, with Sirius in some way. And that kind of goes back to what we thought we saw a couple chapters ago, which was that black shaggy dog walking with Crookshanks just chilling uh, out by the woods. <laughs> They've been working together! Harry eventually regains the advantage. He gets his wand back. Hermione has her wand and Ron's wand at this point. And Sirius is not in the power position anymore. Nope. Sirius is He's on the ground. Crumpled up on the floor. Mm-hmm. Harry's got the wand. Hermione's got two wands. And Sirius is claiming that there's more to the story of his involvement in the death of Harry's parents. But Harry is just so laser focused on killing Sirius that when Crookshanks goes on to Sirius's belly, to kind of like get in between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Harry says, well, you know, this guy killed my parents. If I got to kill a cat, yeah, you know, too bad. what's the big deal? You got to do what you got to do. But before Harry can take the killing blow, who shows up but Professor Lupin. 
Yeah. Well, I think it's also important to say he he had the opportunity. He couldn't he couldn't do it. It wasn't just like he was getting ready to kill mm -hmm. Sirius, but Lupin walked he, he in. He kept hesitating. He kept hesitating. He kept. Now, why do you think he kept hesitating? Do you think it's because it's killing is not something that's his inherently his first instinct? Do you think it's because he believed that there's more to the story and he wanted to hear what Sirius had to say? Do you think it was anything? Did Crookshanks have anything to do with it? He couldn't take the life of a cat who had not really done that much to him, other than sink his claws into him. Um, I think it's just not in um, Harry's nature. One, I was wondering how how does he think he's gonna do this? He hasn't learned any killing spells. Yeah, I'm like he hasn't learned any killing spells, and. I don't, I, I was, I was very, very curious. I was making me wonder. I was kind of, my brain was kind of drifting off going, well, how does he think he's going to kill Sirius? Mm -hmm. The, as far as I know, he doesn't even experience, they talk about them later in the book. The kids learn about killing spells and the, you know, unforgivable spells and stuff like that, but they don't. He doesn't know yet, so I was a little confused by that. Like, how? what did he think he was going to do? But as far as what we're talking about in the chapter, I think he just couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. To kill somebody is a big thing. I think he's trying to convince himself, I should be doing this. I want to avenge my parents. He, try he killed my parents. He, it's his fault. I should do this. But that's just not in Harry's nature. Well, Lupin shows up, and to... The children's surprise disarms Hermione and Harry. So take has all three all the wands because yep. because Hermione was holding Ron's wand as, two, as well, and that confuses them even more. You know why is is Lupin showing up? Why is he taking our wands away? Why does he want us to be yeah, unprotected Harry, against this horrible person? Hermione didn't even know who was in the building. She just heard people, and she immediately was like, "Help! Help! Help! Sirius Black is here!" Like. Whoever it is, if I say Sirius Black is here, they're going to come and help us. Like, she was that sure of it. Can you explain the next scene without giving too much away? It's going to be difficult, but I, I think you could have a better chance so of doing it than me. Lupin wants to know, is talking to Sirius and wants to know where is he? Yeah, and I was trying to, there's like, I was going to look it up. There's, a, there's like a... A sentence where he kind of says did you did the thing and the yeah, thing and right. the thing and I was trying to piece it together with why what didn't he, I know if he didn't did you switch the thing and did, I didn't but if you, you didn't if tell you me didn't do that then and and they're and he like just figures it all out mm -hmm. himself like serious doesn't even really help him out he and just I'm reading it like what are you talking about <laughs> finish a sentence oh my god yeah so I was trying to fit it in um from what i you know fill in the blanks of what i know but yeah so lupin kind of figures something out and makes a decision right then and there that he's gonna be on sirius's I'm side gonna pull sirius to his feet and, and hug, him. hug him like a brother yes hug him like a brother and and everything's okay there 
from with whatever that little mysterious conversation was that wasn't even a conversation. And Harry, Ron, and Hermione jaws hit the floor. Yeah, Hermione <laughs> is so mad. Like, so mad. She's just like, she's like, stomping her feet. I'm telling everyone he's a werewolf. And it was just like, oh my goodness. So that's my, that's my next thing here is that when that moment happens, mm-hmm. we've got these three thinking that Lupin is in cahoots with Sirius. That means Lupin's bad too. Crookshanks is in cahoots with Sirius. That means Crookshanks is bad too. Everything we thought we knew, we don't know. And Hermione doesn't let Lupin, doesn't even give Lupin a chance to defend his actions. Hermione steps in and says, Don't listen to him, he's a werewolf! She's so, so mad. Of course he's bad, he's a werewolf. I should have seen this coming. And so we take this whole little like time out. Lupin's just like, so wait a minute. When did you figure this out and explain it to me? And then they have this whole little like conversation and she's like, I've always known and I've protected you and I haven't told anyone. I'm going to tell everyone now. So let me ask you about that because I put that in my notes to ask you. How did Hermione figure it out? There was mm-hmm. a couple things, right? Yeah. So let's answer that one first. Um, Snape had them do a essay on werewolves mm-hmm. and of course she very thoroughly um, researched, researched and, mm-hmm. and memorized and became familiar with the material. And when they were, um, sometimes like bo- he got sick. All, all he, he always got sick the around moon. the full moon, mm-hmm. and the the Bogart right turned into a big white sphere. And she said, or did you figure out that it turned into the moon? Mm-hmm. What he's most afraid of is a full moon. Yep. And she's like, all of it. I've learned. I've I figured out all of it. So my second question is, why hadn't she told anyone? Because he was a pretty cool teacher. He saved them the very first day from the Dementors. He always seemed to be helping them. Um, you know, and Hermione's. She's just not very prejudiced, so I think she was like, well, if Dumbledore thinks it's okay for him to be a werewolf, then it's okay for him to be a werewolf. So she's trying not to hold the werewolf thing against him. Yeah, I don't think... I mean, she's kind of discriminated against by some of the wizards for being muggle-born. So, I don't know. She Plus, she just seems like a very tolerant, open-minded person. Do you think she assumes that Dumbledore knows? Yeah, I think the kids at this point know that Dumbledore knows everything. So or at least she does. Lupin gives the wands back to Harry, Ron, and Hermione, hoping, and then holsters his own wand, trying and, to like appease them and right. set them at ease. And, and Sirius doesn't have a wand. Nope. No, he had. Where to, would he get one? He had to use. He would have had to have stolen wand. someone or. So that is Lupin's way of earning the group's trust back. Look, you're armed now. We're not. We have no reason to. We're try- I'm trying to let you know that like I'm putting my weapon down. Can we talk? Yeah, because you, you need to know what's going on. Right. So in the explanation, and <laughs> I, this part of the book, I'm imagining like the end of a Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes movie mm-hmm. where every, he gets everybody in the room 
and then he's just pacing the room like with his hands behind his back and I knew that this person couldn't have been the killer because blah 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 <laughs> and he wears a red scarf and of course killers never wear red scarfs because they clash with the blood on their blah 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 <laughs> and Lupin's just kind of going around and we think that he's like revealing or I guess the kids probably think in the we're led to think that as readers that maybe he's revealing like his James Bond character evil plan but he's just telling how he got there he's telling how he knows that Sirius Black is not as bad of a person as he originally thought because up until Lupin got into that room Lupin did not know that Sirius Black was not the criminal that we thought he was. Mm -hmm. There was that that, that, that mysterious conversation that, mysterious, that wasn't a conversation. Did, how did, how did you, if you did this then, how, oh! oh buddy hug. hugs. Big Baymax hug. <laughs> but right then, he, he's in, in his diatribe here, he's explaining that this is how I got here. This is what happened. And up until two minutes ago, I agreed with you. But now, based on the information that I just deduced in my brain, based on these thirds of sentences that I put together, I know that this is the real story. And he explains that he, Lupin used a Marauder's map that night to track Sirius, to track Harry, Ron, and Hermione, and to track the other person that was with them. Mm -hmm. And this kind of throws. There was no other person. Off. It was just us. Well, the map never lies, according to Lupin. There was definitely another person with them, a name that he'd recognized from the past. But Lupin was very adept at using this map for some reason. <laughs> and why is that? Because he helped write it. But I thought it was written... I didn't see his name on the map. I no, didn't they name. didn't use their real names. Oh. Why would they use their real names? What? Then they could get in trouble. So Lupin is... Mooney? Mooney! Because of the full moon? Yeah. What a dumb Some nickname. of the nicknames are cooler than others. You turn into a werewolf when the moon comes out. So your name is Mooney. Yeah, I don't... I don't know. That's just a strange nickname. So... They all kind of have strange nicknames. Stupid nicknames aside. <laughs> there was... Another name on the map that popped up. And it wasn't just Sirius Black's name. That was one of the names that Lupin saw on the map. And that's why he came running. Because he saw Sirius Black. But that was not the only reason he came running. Because there was another name on there that he didn't think he'd ever see again or hear again. And it wasn't Scabbers. No. <laughs> we didn't see Scabbers' name on there. We didn't see Crookshank's name on there. We didn't see whatever the Whomping Willow's name is on there. <laughs> I don't know that it has a name. Muhammad Ali. No. It's got to be a boxing name. Sugar Ray. <laughs> Sugar Ray Willow. Sugar. Sugar Leaves. Yeah, we'll have an intern think up a good one. Okay. The revelation that we get at the end of this chapter is that that's not Scabbers. Nope. That is... It's not even a real rat. Peter Pettigrew. 
Dun, dun, dun. Now, Peter Pettigrew, if you remember, folks, is the wizard that was apparently... Allegedly. ...murdered by Sirius Black when all those other uh, muggles were killed, too, right? Yes. At the, on that street, um, that alley, dead-end alley, I, I think that's what it was. Why are so many people in a dead-end alley? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's just what I had made <laughs> in my head. I'm, I'm not... I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm not good at this. But I, Peter Pettigrew was somebody who, uh, according to the story, went after Sirius Black and tried to take him down. Take him down. And then died in the process and died a martyr, died a hero. Yeah. But apparently, apparently didn't die rat. at all. So we get we got a lot of hanging threads here that we want to get to in the next chapter. But before we get to that, if... My question to you, and the thing that bothered me in this chapter that I told you, if Sirius Black isn't bad, according to Lupin... I couldn't find is it bad in your music. Not you, Siri. I said Sirius. I said, if Sirius isn't bad, and my phone... <laughs> there goes my phone again. Sorry, I missed that. Could you say it again? No. No, I can't say it again. Mind your own business. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to say if black isn't bad, <laughs> as Lupin is insinuating, why is he so rough with the kids? Why is why is black so rough with the kids? I can't say the S word anymore. Yes. Why is he so rough with the kids? Why he is... Tackles Harry, breaks Ron's leg, biting, bites Ron. Biting Ron in the arm, breaking Ron's leg, chokes Harry... Allows Harry and Hermione to get the garbage beat out of them by the tree, battered and bloodied. These poor well, kids. Well, that was their choice. They didn't have kids, to follow. Man. These poor kids. They just get. <laughs> they just get treated so badly in this series. Whether it's mental bullying, you know, you know, they're getting their minds are getting attacked by, you know, the bullying of the of the teachers or they're getting physically hurt or they're getting emotionally hurt i mean it's it's really frustrating to to see that just how poorly they're they're treated here if black is not as bad as we think he is according to lupin why is he so violent with them well and we like you said we talked about this a little bit off air before we started and I said yeah you know it's really like if you're just reading it for the first time and you still think well he's still this bad guy who'd been in prison you you know that Lupin's kind of siding with him so maybe he's not that bad but you still like it still seems logical to you but if you've read on and you've seen the movies it's really hard to to line up these two characters, the, the the future Sirius Black and the current one, what you're seeing now. It's really hard to, to see how one went to the other. And seemingly not that long of a period of time. But, you know, he has been in prison. He's basically going mad. Again, though, you kind of have to forget 
that he's sane later, mm -hmm. that he's and, okay later. And there's obviously something about he's very Scabbers and Peter Pettigrew. He's obsessing over, and yeah, he's just, he's he's been obsessed about this, getting revenge mm -hmm. for 12 years. Yeah. Some, something he's been wronged for. Mm-hmm. That he went to prison for, oh. you know, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but I don't, I don't know how else to explain it. He, he's just, he's kind of crazed about this. Well, maybe the next chapter will shine a little light on it. Maybe it will, I don't think it's going to defend it, but mm -hmm. I think maybe it will give us a better idea of why he was seeing red so much. You know, like mm -hmm. the, bull, the bull charging. Yeah. Maybe that, maybe it will kind of give us a better idea of the backstory there and why he was acting the way he was acting. But before we wrap up, we've got an email from one of our favorite people in the whole world, our favorite Slytherin, our resident Harry Potter expert, Kelly up in New York. And Kelly, who has joined the show before, has been, yep. been a guest on the show before, and hopefully will be a guest again in the future. Uh, she took a little uh, issue with something that we said a couple episodes ago. Uh, she took, I would I would even go so far as to say she took umbrage with something that we said. Hmm. Uh, she writes, Dan and Jess, I'm writing about something you said about Draco Malfoy two podcasts ago. You mentioned that Draco is mean for no reason. I am by no means defending Draco's actions toward Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Although it kind of sounds like you are, Kelly. <gasps> but wanted to explain that, get us it into is, more trouble. that it is not for no reason. Draco is a prime example of how bad parenting can affect a child. Draco is raised in a home where he is taught to be prejudiced against Muggleborns. His father openly hates hates Arthur Weasley because Mr. Weasley works to defend Muggle rights. If Hogwarts wrote to Lucius Malfoy saying that Draco called Hermione a mudblood, Lucius would only be upset that Draco got caught. He would teach Draco the importance of maintaining an appropriate public face and making sure no teachers were around before calling someone a mudblood. In regards to Harry, Draco tried to make friends with Harry on the train in the Sorcerer's Stone, Harry rejected him, at which Draco took very personally. Since that time, Harry has also beaten him at Quidditch and the House Cup. Draco views Harry as a rival who takes glory that could be his. So while I don't condone any, don't condone any of Draco's behavior, I think it's important to remember that his parents' influence plays a huge role in his treatment of others. Jessica, your response. I get it. Everything she says is true. But then I just want to extend it to his parents. It's still they are prejudiced for no good reason. Just because they're prejudiced. Like, there's just nothing about it that they just want to be superior. I guess is more what I was trying to say. It wasn't like a legit thing. Something, you know, that somebody did. Like, Harry hated Sirius because he believed he killed his parents. And yes, he was raised to not like mudbloods. But he didn't. Bloods have never done anything to him or that we know of to his parents. They just want to be superior. And, and the so the whole thing about pushing somebody down so you can be lifted up. And that's all, all it's a real thing, but it's just not a good reason to I guess is more what I was trying to say. And and the train issue in Sorcerer's Stone, Harry really rejects Draco because Draco was kind of a jerk to Ron. Mm -hmm. Harry was Harry was in the the cart with Ron and Draco kind of is a jerk to Ron and so Harry kind of goes well, wait a minute 
Why would I want to be friends? This guy's not bad. Yeah, I like, like him. If you don't like him, then I don't like you. Yeah, you so know, Harry, one of those there's things. There's a little bit. There's a little bit of a quick thinking there where Harry kind of has to make a decision here with who I'm going to side with. Is it going to be Ron or is it going to be this new kid? So I I totally understand what what Kelly's saying about the apple not far in, falling far from the tree, and Draco probably never had. You know, some we tell you some kids that kid never had a chance. Mm-hmm. You know, just look at his parents. And we say that about people, kids in real life, and I think it's the same thing with with Draco. Draco never had a chance to be a, a good kid. Draco never had a chance to be a, a a kid who has compassion and a kid who feels bad for you know regret and things like that, because that was instilled in him since birth that well, you won't need to feel those things. You're better than these people. Mm-hmm. So I, I see what she's saying, but I'm not going to get in between you two girls because. <laughs> no, I totally understand what she's saying. I just, I think I was oversimplifying it and just being, but there wasn't a Tell good. Tell Kelly how you feel, A Jeff. good, legit reason. Tell her how you feel. Don't hold back. Only stupid reasons. Okay. He hates Ron and Hermione and Harry and everybody else in the world for stupid reasons. Gotcha. Not a good reason. Well, if you want to take us to task for anything we said, or you just have a question or a comment about the show, you can always email us at broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com or tweet us at broomsticksb, broomsticks, the letter B, no underscores, no spaces, nothing like that. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Facebook. And thanks, everybody, for downloading, listening, and subscribing. And our numbers continue to grow. Our we got our first sponsor on the last uh, episode. Hopefully many more to come. If you're interested in that, shoot us an email or shoot us a tweet. We'd uh, be very interested to hear from you. But we want to th- shout out to all of our Slytherins and Hufflepuffs and Gryffindor and Ravenclaws Woo! and Muggles who listen to the oh. show. Yes, even the Muggles that listen to the show. Poor because uh, we do this for you and we appreciate you guys going along on this journey with us. So until next time, we are wrapping up, what was this, chapter 17 of Harry Potter and the Prisoner Azkaban. Just a few chapters left and a lot of revelations to come. So until next time, I'm your Hufflepuff host, Dan Rhino. I'm your Ravenclaw host, Jessica Rhino. And we'll see you next time. Bye.